The Atlanta Braves make a statement in game one of a four-game set with the New York Mets, pounding out 13 runs in a decisive victory. What changed for the Atlanta Braves in this game? What approach did they come into this game with, and can they continue it throughout the rest of this series and really throughout the rest of the season? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves, in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I am the co-editor. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Hit the thumbs up button and notification bell. Help out support the show. Also, make sure that you are following and subscribing to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, going to be breaking down the big 13 to 1 win by the Atlanta Braves on Monday over the New York Mets. Spencer Strider's great outing, obviously, a great performance from the offense. But I mainly want to dive into and see what changes did we see for this Braves team in this game, and can they keep that up? throughout the rest of this Mets series in order to show them that, hey, the Braves can do this too, and we are ready for the fight. So let me talk about that a lot and then setting you up for Tuesday's game. But let's look at this 13-1 to win as the Braves did end up pounding out the Mets 13-1 to on Monday, a good way to start the series, obviously. And you have Scherzer and DeGrom looming in the back two of this four-game set. So Winning these first two, obviously very important. Braves able to do that on Monday. Moved to within four and a half games of the New York Mets. As I just talked about going in, really doesn't matter unless the Braves win this series. You really don't even look at the standings, in my opinion, until after this series is over. And if the Braves win it, then they got a chance going forward. If they just split, or obviously if they lose, then I think the chances of winning the division become very slim at that point. Braves are now on a seven-game win streak. Uh, they haven't lost since they left City Field in that disappointing series against the Mets. So currently on a hot streak halfway to their longest win streak of the year of 14 games. And there was a one-hour rain delay in the middle of the second inning uh, tonight that also put a little bit of a damper on the game and the flow of this game. Um, I don't know that it really would have changed the outcome all that much. Unfortunately for Carlos Carrasco, Tried to come back out after that rain delay. Looks like he may have gotten injured. Hope he's okay. Uh, but at that point, Braves were already up in that game, three to nothing. And Spencer Strider, who I want to talk about next, had a really good performance. You look at his final line, five innings, three hits, one walk, one earned, four strikeouts, 87 pitches. And look, that's not the most efficient for five innings of a start, but Considering the one-hour rain delay, considering he had a 21-pitch first inning, and considering what the Mets have done to him the last two times he's faced them, 87 pitches through five innings is 
much improved outing for Spencer Strider. And I think you saw a change in approach from him in this game. And, you know, I talked about it on the postcast. I talked about it on Monday's podcast. So it's third time facing him. You know what this Mets lineup is about. You know what they want to do. They want to frustrate you. I thought they really got in the head of Spencer Strider in New York. He didn't let that get to him this time. They still fouled off their pitches. They still hung in there and had long at-bats. But Strider continued to throw good strikes. He continued to get ahead and work ahead. And I thought that was very important. He threw 11 first-pitch strikes to 19 batters. Not a great percentage, but certainly not bad. But when you consider that coming out in that third inning after the rain delay, after the one-hour rain delay, he did not throw a first pitch strike to any of the four batters he faced in that inning. So rain delay may have had a little effect there. However, he did throw the second pitch to all four of those batters in the third inning was a strike. So he didn't put himself in bad counts necessarily. He did walk Starling Marte in that inning, his only walk in the ball game. So understandable to have a little bit of rust after a one hour rain delay. But for the most part, Spencer Strider was getting ahead of hitters. In the first inning, he got ahead on two of four batters. In the second inning, three of four batters he faced. In the fourth inning, all three batters he threw first pitch strikes. And then in the fifth inning, three of the four batters he, he faced, he threw a first pitch strike. So you really saw a different approach from Spencer Strider in this outing, getting ahead, not falling behind. And then once he got ahead, you know, continuing to throw strikes and put batters away. I thought you saw a, a huge difference in the attack for Spencer Strider in this game. Through 56 strikes, 31 balls, you know, a perfectly fine ratio there, especially against a, a good Mets team who's going to take close pitches. Again, I just thought he was much better in this game, attacking the strike zone, not allowing Mets hitters to get in good counts, and then just sit on his fastball, which is what Nemo did in the very first at bat of the game. Strider fell up behind him 3-0, and came back, got it 3-2. Nemo set on a fastball and hit it hard the other way off Austin Riley's wrist and hope that wrist is okay. Spencer Strider had 16 called strikes in this game. And look, this is the thing for these Braves pitchers going up against this Mets team. They're going to take strikes. They're going to take pitches. Make sure those pitches are in the zone, especially early in the count. If they want to take pitches till they get two strikes, and they're perfectly comfortable doing that, and they're comfortable hitting with two strikes. So make sure you're getting ahead. Make sure you're pounding that strike zone early on. Get ahead until they show and prove to you they're going to be aggressive early in the count. Just pound that strike zone early. Get them in one, two, oh, two situations, and then a lot of the pressure becomes on them to swing at your pitch in the zone. I thought Spencer Strider did a great job of that. A nine-pitch fifth inning. You saw the Mets maybe get a little frustrated in that fifth inning against Spencer Strider and swing in some early counts in a nine-pitch fifth inning. We haven't seen many nine-pitch innings against the Mets this year, so I thought that was very important, crucial there. If it hadn't been for the rain delay, I think you would have seen Spencer Strider come out for a sixth inning. And I thought he mixed up his pitches well. You started to see really it was that at bat to James McCann in the third inning. McCann fought off some tough fastballs, and then Spencer Strider went to that changeup to get the strikeout, and then you saw him try to, try to mix things up a little bit more that second time through, throwing a lot more off-speed pitches. And for me, that's a key for Spencer Strider. Facing teams like the Mets, like the Dodgers, who don't chase a ton of pitches, the Dodgers will swing and miss a lot more than the Mets will. I think he's going to have to start mixing in 
of that third pitch, mixing in that changeup a little bit earlier in the game to put that in the mind of the hitters. Otherwise, you know, you're throwing a fastball 65, 70% of the time. You know, teams are going to be able to key in on that as good as that fastball is and as much life as it has. They're going to be able to catch up to that eventually. And you saw the Mets hitters at least able to foul that fastball off a lot. So he's going to be able to have to mix in a third pitch against good teams like the Mets and the Dodgers. Look, a lot of the teams, most teams, he's going to be able to get away with just that fastball slider like we've seen him do. But I think going against the best teams in baseball, teams with good lineups that don't chase a lot, don't swing and miss a lot, I think he's going to have to start incorporating that change up a little bit more and a little bit earlier. Strider gave up six hard hit balls, but nothing over 101 miles per hour. Only four balls had an expected batting average of 300 or better on the 14 balls that were put in play. So, again, not a lot of hard contact against him. And fortunately, those balls found that Braves gloves in this game. Good to see him succeed again against an opponent that doesn't strike out a lot. Again, most games, Spencer Strider is going to go out there. He pitches five innings. He's going to strike out at least seven or eight batters. He only had four strikeouts on this night. But again, a pound of the zone, got some weak contact, and was able to pitch through the fifth inning, something he hadn't done against this Mets team yet. So I thought this was a very encouraging start for Spencer Strider. And then the Braves were able to finish the game off with Colin McHugh and the newly acquired Danny Young. They got him August 6th on waivers from the Seattle Mariners. And great to see them be able to save the bullpen, which got overworked in that four-game series in three days over the weekend in Miami. Some close games there. So that was huge as well. And that because of the offense and the explosion that they had on Monday night. We'll talk about that next. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. They have a new flavor that you're going to love that includes cookie dough covered in chocolate. Let me introduce you to my new favorite, the cookie dough chunk puff. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Go to built.com now to snag a box for you and the family, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. That's what's great about Built is that all the Built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to built.com now, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at built.com. The offense really showed out on Monday with 13 runs against the New York Mets. Obviously, the rain delay in there and the Mets having or Mets trailing after that rain delay didn't go to their best bullpen arms early on. The Braves able to take advantage to tack on some more runs. They end up scoring 13 runs on 15 hits, three walks, and just four strikeouts. And that, to me, is very key for this Braves team, especially in this matchup against the Mets. Having better at-bats, having a better approach at the plate, putting the ball in play, they were able to do that Monday. Carlos Carrasco, like I said, unfortunately had to leave this start early because of injury, because of the rain delay, and the Mets you know, didn't go to their best arms out of the bullpen, but the Braves still got it done offensively, 7 for 14 with runners in scoring position. Every starter for the Braves had at least one hit. Every starter scored at least one run. 
and every starter except for Riley and Grissom had an RBI. Riley had a tough line out, really good swing. I thought he was going get to get the Braves on the board in the first inning. Ball hit 101 miles per hour to right field. Starling Marte made a great running catch on that. I thought that was going to score Dansby. So tough luck for him last couple of games. He had that line out to shortstop in Miami as well that I thought was going to be you know, a two RBI double for him. So some tough breaks for Riley here lately, but overall just great from the offense up and down. And I thought this was the best lineup. I tweeted it out on Monday when I saw the lineup. To me, this is the best lineup when everybody is healthy top to bottom. You got Acuna, Swanson, Riley, Olsen, Contreras, Rosario, Darno, um, Grissom, and you have Michael Harris. To me, that's your that's your best nine, especially against a right-handed pitcher. If you wanted to put in Robbie Grossman against a lefty over Rosario, then I think you could do that. But for me, this is the best Braves lineup that you can put out there right now, and hopefully that's the, the lineup that Brian Snickers sti sticks with the rest of the season. Again, against right-handed pitching, you could swap out Grossman against left-handed pitchers with Rosario. But I, I really love the lineup that they put out there on Monday, and they really performed well. You look at Acuna and Swanson, each with three hit games. Acuna had three doubles, scored two runs, drove in three. He had that bloop double in the second inning uh, with that uh, storm field sky that was up there as the storms were about to roll in. Mark Canna just completely lost that ball. But three really good or two really good doubles after that in that game, drove in three. Acuna remains hot. And it's just getting even better. I mentioned it. I tweeted it out during the game. That hit he had in the sixth inning, he's able to get under that ball and drive it into the left center field gap. A couple of weeks ago, that's a hard hit ground out to shortstop. I think that's the small adjustments you're starting to see with Acuna. He's able to adjust that launch angle now and get under some of these balls and drive them into the outfield. Certainly a great sign for him. And then Dansby Swanson, who looked wasn't great on the road trip, cooled off significantly. He had two, he had a double and two singles, scored a run, drove in three, walked and stole a base, filling up the complete bingo card there for Dansby Swanson. Had a little scare diving into second base. Helmet came up and cut that beautiful forehead of his, but he seems to be okay. And hopefully he starts to get going again and heats back up. The only other player with multiple hits in this game. Vaughn Grissom, he was two for three, two runs and a walk. He just continues to get it done. How amazing has he been since coming up? And it was the home runs that got it started. You had Contreras and Rosario went back-to-back -back in the second inning off Carrasco to put the Braves on the board. I thought it was a great swing by Eddie Rosario. A pitch running in on him, he's able to pull his hands inside of it, get the barrel on it, and just get it over that right field wall out there. Contreras' hit was a no-doubter to center field. And Travis Darno comes in later. He makes his return to the lineup, hits a three-run homer in the sixth inning, that big eight-run sixth inning that the Braves had. And you got the Braves catchers going deep again, doing what they've been doing all year long, the best catching tandem in all of baseball. So it was the home runs that kind of got it going early, but I really just loved that this offense continued to score throughout and continued to add on even after getting that early lead. This is what you look for with this Braves offense, get a lead early, continue to add on throughout and really just put the game away. I've talked about it with some of the quote unquote issues of this bullpen and the blown saves that they had, 
a lot of times it's because the Braves get a, an early lead and then they just kind of fall flat the rest of the way. And you have these one, two run games, which the Braves have played a lot of in late innings. And the more often you have those games, the more times you're going to blow saves like that. So it's good to see the Braves continue to add on, really just put this game completely away. So outstanding performance by Spencer Strider on the mound. You saw the different approach from him attacking that zone, not letting those foul balls get to him, just continuing to throw quality strikes and getting weak contact. And I thought you saw some great at-bats from the Braves on Monday as well. Look, they had Carlos Carrasco throw 51 pitches through two innings. Granted, he should have been out of that second inning with that fly ball that Acuna hit. Um, but still, they were making him work very hard, had given up a couple of runs, had another base runner on. So, again, I love the approach from the Braves hitters against Carrasco. They seem to be locked in to every bat until Darren Ruff came into the game late. And, look, I hate position players coming in to pitch, and Braves hitters were obviously just going up there swinging at whatever. I don't put a lot of stock into that, but – I thought every at bat up and to that point, the Braves hitters were just really locked in and you love to see that. And that's really the focus. These hitters, this lineup has to have the rest of the way. And especially in this series. And I talked about it important to get a lead early because you did have that rain delay and you did unfortunately have Carlos Carrasco leave that game with an injury and with the Mets being behind and they have a big week coming up. And this is the beginning of a big road trip for them. You know, they didn't want to, use their best bullpen pieces in a game they were losing when they had to go to the bullpen so early. So I thought that was very key as well as the Braves come away with the 13 to one victory on Monday. All right, next we'll set you up for Tuesday's matchup as the Braves have another pivotal game trying to make up ground in the NL East. We'll talk about how they can do that next. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sport wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening Bet online where the game starts. On Tuesday, it'll be Charlie Morton versus Taiwan Walker. And Taiwan Walker, the last time out against the Braves, did not go particularly well for him. Gave up eight earned runs on seven hits, lasted one plus innings. But he's been really good outside of that. Solid his last time out against the Reds. Six innings, five hits, three walks, two earned, five strikeouts. He's been consistently going five or six innings. For the Mets, you know they would obviously love him to do that after having to go to the bullpen in the third inning on Monday. But hopefully the Braves can get after him. I think it's a, a good matchup for the Braves hitters, and they can get after him early, get the Mets back into that bullpen early, trailing so that they once again don't go to their best relievers. And that's the strategy for the Braves offense here. But you know, more so just want to see them come out, have some good at-bats. For Charlie Morton, he's given up nine earned runs and two starts against the Mets this year. They've really gotten to him, gave up three home runs the last time he faced them, which was in Atlanta. He didn't start against them in City Field. And Charlie Morton's been very inconsistent all year, and really just inning to inning, but more so here lately, start to start. It's either been zero earned runs or four or five earned runs, kind of back and forth here over his last five starts and you can kind of see it in those starts inning to inning 
look, there's some innings I, I see him pitch and he's attacking the zone and his stuff looks great. And you think, okay, here's Charlie vintage, Charlie Morton again. And then the next inning, he's kind of all over the place. He's leaving pitches up in the zone. So hopefully we get a more consistent outing from Charlie Morton, seeing him pitch, you know, into the, the sixth inning, you know, just shutting down that Mets lineup, keeping the ball in the park. Really the problem for him is last time out when he got lit tagged for all those runs, he was just making mistakes over the heart of the plate. And those Red Sox hitters were not missing yet, gave up a bunch of home runs in that outing. So want to see him attacking the zone, yes, but doing so in a quality manner and getting those pitches down in the zone, getting that curveball down in the zone. And I think we'll see a good start for Charlie Morton, which is very important. Look, we're hoping Max, it sounds like Max Reed is going to be okay and could start a game later this week. Same for Kyle Wright. That was the update on Monday. But either way, you need Charlie Morton to be that co-ace with Max Reed if the Braves are going to have any chance in the postseason. And it's been an inconsistent year for him. Coming off the broken leg in the World Series, I understand that. But we need to see Charlie Morton down the stretch here start to put together more consistent outings, outing after outing, and not this up-and-down roller coaster that we're seeing from him. So hopefully that starts on Tuesday night against the Mets. But the biggest thing I'm watching for, and I talked about this in the postcast with Grant McCauley, is I need to see the offense come back out and duplicate what they did on Monday. No, they don't have to score 13 runs. They can score six, whatever it needs to be, but I need to see them come back out and have that same approach for nine innings at the plate as they had on Monday. Too many times this year, we've seen the Braves offense put up a big number like they did on Monday and then come out the next day flat and and struggle to score runs. I need to see them have this same approach on Tuesday. I need to see them have this same approach the rest of the way. Again, like I've been talking about, getting in that postseason mindset, every at bat, every pitch matters. And if we see that focus from this Braves team, like we saw last postseason, then I believe they're back to that World World Series championship caliber team. But I need to see them. The main thing I'm watching on Tuesday, does this offense come back out with that good same approach they had on Monday? Are they working Taiwan Walker? Are they getting into good counts? Are they squaring up good pitches? Are they making that hard contact, putting the ball in play with two strikes. That's really what I'm watching for on Tuesday. And if the Braves do that, I think they got a good chance of going up 2-0 in this four-game series. I wanted to end with a little bit of injury news here. On Monday, Eddie Rosario left the game as a precaution with some hamstring tightness that he was having. Hopefully he's okay. It sounded like after the game he could miss a game or two but should avoid an IL stint. I hope it's Robbie Grossman. That's replacing him in left field, but we'll see what Snicker decides to do there. I do not think it'll be Marcelo Zoon out there. I really hope it will not be Marcelo Zoon out there. I'm going to keep saying that uh, in hopes that it does not happen. I think it should be Robbie Grossman who gets those at-bats with uh, Eddie Rosario out. And I hate that for Eddie Rosario, who had been going, had the home run on Monday night. Really hope he's okay and is back in the lineup soon. Been a tough year for him with the eye issue. I hate to see any more setbacks for him. And wanted to mention Mike Soroka pitching on Tuesday night for Rome. Uh, Obviously, we'll all be glued to the Mets-Braves game, but you got two screens. You can break away for a little bit. Uh, I certainly will try to do that and watch Mike Soroka as he takes the mound for Rome. That'll be really exciting for him, and hopefully he gets through that clean and just glad to see him back out on a mound. So that'll be exciting for the Braves on Tuesday as well. 
But that will do it for this episode. Thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen every day. Now go and make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 